0: Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman with you and Neil Miller, Brody Kane with me today. Now, mispronunciations, pronouncing congratulations as congratulations, my pet hate. Another one says, my pet hate are people who say laboratory for laboratory, says Gary. Although Gordo says, Wallace... I despair at the level that we all seem to be becoming more vulnerable to mispronunciation. Seriously, do you think that those who speak for their work, employment, should be able to say words properly? Ob mistakes accepted. Gordo, good points there. But Robin says, um, uh, I'm shouting at the radio. It's not ceremony, Neil. That's a recent mispronunciation. In fact, a lot of people say this. You've been cancelled, Neil, so you better watch out. <laughs> Um, (laughs) It was was
1: one word, and I'm
0: getting cancelled. Well, it was the wrong thing to say. I feel like we're we're particularly
2: vulnerable doing this this topic on Radio New Zealand, you realise. In in my
0: defence, I correctly pronounced yes. (laughs) Well, you were wrong with ceremony. I'm just pointing it out to you. Mm. Uh, The world's most transmissible COVID-19 strain has found its way into Australia, with worrying research revealing it may be even more infectious than the Delta variant. The Lambda strain has puzzled World Health Organisation scientists after it nearly spread to 30 countries in the last month. The mutation was originally discovered in Peru and is related to 81% of the country's cases since April. Meanwhile, Boris Johnson is to scrap most of England's COVID rules from July the 19th, uh, including, I understand, social distancing and mask wearing, saying that the aim is to move from a universal government diktat to relying on people's personal responsibility. And Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern is watching reopening experiments across the world. With us to discuss is Kurt Krauss, Professor of Biochemistry at the University of Otago. Professor Krauss, kia ora, welcome.
3: Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to join you Wallace oh, and the group.
0: Absolutely, Kurt. Yeah. Actually first up, can I just bring in this uh, single dose Janssen COVID-19 vaccine today been approved for use in Aotearoa. Uh, big news today, another arsenal in the COVID-19 toolkit.
3: Yes, yes, very much. I, I think that the, the, one of the remarkable things about the pandemic has been the speed with which a number of efficacious and promising vaccines have been developed, and also the the speed at which information about them is disseminated. So that's that's good news.
0: And they'll be able to work in tandem with the other vaccines, okay?
3: I think th- I think there'll be some that are appropriate to, for for different groups. Right? Absolutely.
0: To this Lambda strain, uh, a unique pattern of seven mutations, at least the early reports, are uh, it's looking uh, highly infectious, a bit of a concern. But what can you tell us about this, Kurt?
3: Well, I, yeah, I woke up today and, and, and started reading about Lambda, so uh, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat, boat mm-hmm. as everybody else we
0: no, nope. uh, Kurt's just gone, but we will get him back. It's just uh, on Skype there. Uh, but learning to live with the virus, can I get some early uh, ideas from uh, you, brody? Uh, uh, how worried would you be if we opened up?
2: Look, I will first like to say that I am not an epidemiologist, but what I th- what, what it appears to be, the, the answer is being vaccinated, right? Really, I mean, that seems to be the only way that um, any sort of clear... Uh, change and opening the borders can happen. The population's vaccinated, we can open the borders. So uh, that's all I, in my expert opinion.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, we'll come back to that. But uh, uh, Kurt, Kurt, you're there now, yes?
3: I think I'm there. I dropped it yeah. just for a second.
0: <laughs> no worries. And, and so pick up what you were saying about this Lambda strain. So you've been doing some... Uh, oh, right.
3: It's, it's, it's in uh, Peru. And Peru's hmm. had 2 million cases and 200,000 deaths. So their Goodness. their case fatality rate's really quite high. It's among the highest in the world. And, and now 80% of the cases, as you said, that in Peru are, are this Lambda variant. Looking at the sequence, though the number there's seven different sequences which have occurred. They're very similar to the delta sequence, and the delta sequence is known for having uh, a variation in, the, in residue 452 in the spike protein, as does the lambda sequence. And uh, but the variation is really quite similar. It's it's uh, glutamine mm-hmm. instead of arginine. So uh, my view of the whole thing, and um, oh, I should say that in uh, Bioarchive earlier this week, a paper appeared from um, Acevedo et al. out of Chile where they analyzed the Lambda variant versus the Alpha, Beta, and Gamma variant. And the Gamma variant is the P1 variant, which we know was has been dominated in, in Brazil until the Lambda variant emerged. And it's basically very similar to P1. It's just a little bit more infectious than P1. Okay. So my take on this is it's, uh, it's Delta. It's, it's like the Delta and probably a little bit um, um, more contagious than the Delta. And we don't know yet about pathogenicity.
0: Okay, Um and I'll bring in our panelists very, very soon, Kurt. But look, Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison on Friday laid out a four-phase plan to reopen the world. Singapore stating COVID will be treated like uh, any other endemic disease, like a flu. What's going on here, Kurt? Is this another phase in a global pandemic, as with the UK? If you if you like, if you can't beat them, join them.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, the problem with with the, this pandemic is it's a little bit like Terminator Three. Whenever we make a change, the the viruses change sort of ahead of us. Mm-hmm. So the plans that they made based on alpha, beta, and gamma strains are they going to work for the delta strains? And that re- strains and that remains to be seen. But I think your your panelist earlier panelist is right. One thing that we all need to do is we need to get vaccinated. We absolutely right. have to get vaccinated. But we also have to realize that countries with uncontrolled COVID are basically basically producing <clears throat> variants at a very high rate so in those countries will continue to produce variants and we should expect to hear you know an uh, a, a additional variants that are going to be even more infectious and more dangerous than lambda steadily oh, yeah. until the number of infections around the world drops because the variation production is a, a, a product of how much un, un- unchecked replication is going on uh, combined with how fatal. Face- for the replication is taking place and we've got way too much unchecked uh, 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 replication going on the other thing that seems
0: keep going yep
3: well, the other thing I think it's clear is that uh, we 're going to need uh, variants uh, we 're going to need boosters that are designed to attack these variants, and the vaccine companies are already doing that and the CEO of Pfizer was quoted I think yesterday saying that it looks likely that people are going to need a third dose even when they 're fully vaccinated oh. and and I hate to say this, but I think all of us and your your audience and all of us together have to become aware that we're going to be hearing more and more about fully vaccinated people getting the Delta strain, getting the Lambda strain, and we're going to hear about some fully vaccinated people perishing. uh, Because even with the um, putative 90% reduction in severity in a fully vaccinated person who's exposed to the Delta, that's still a lot of people.
0: My goodness. All Right, Neil Miller.
1: Yeah, I think for me the scary thing is how quickly the the virus is... um, Mutating, and um, it's never for the better for us, anyway. I'm sure the the virus is very proud of itself about how quickly it's going and and <laughs> really keeping one step ahead of us. I hadn't thought of the Terminator three. Uh, analogy, but um, uh, that works. It was also not a very good film. Um, so I, I, the other thing that I've, you know, I only heard about this today as well. I'm glad to see that a trained scientist only heard about it at about the same time. But that Peru example is quite terrifying. I mean, we tend to focus yeah. on the United States and, and Britain because they have such high numbers, but the percentage in Peru is just
3: terrifying.
0: And that's a good point, isn't it, uh, because they do have the highest COVID mortality rate in the world. Or albeit we don't hear much about Peru.
3: Right, yes. And, and so there's ample opportunity for lots and lots of variants to be uh, springing up all around the world. So we've got to be mindful of that. Um, uh, you, you mentioned early on yeah. about reopening in the UK, and, you know, the, the UK yeah, do numbers think? don't look great. They're, they're in the middle of a fourth wave now. It might be levelling off, but they're up to 30,000 cases a day, which is about where their second wave peaked. So I think, you know, we, we can make plans, but I think we have to be willing to adjust. And in addition to the getting, you know, get, getting vaccinated and maybe we get a booster, maybe we don't, I think people need to, to mask up in countries where there's uh, uh, mm. infection in the community and need to maintain social distancing. So we're really learning to live with this and, so, and, and we're, we're learning long term. Gosh,
2: Brody? Oh, I just wish we could get off the train, eh? Like I wish we could. <laughs> yeah. I just wish we could go, OK, everyone has everyone learned their lesson. We've got to change our ways. Okay, good. Everybody, we, we, we'll control out, delete, and we'll start again. It's just no, and that's not because I don't care. Um, it's just it, I, I think I feel sorry for countries that are still in lockdowns, Absolutely. and it's mm. just it's actually exhausting. I I have nights where I'm like I'm not watching the news. I don't want right. to hear about it. I'm you know, and that's again, it's not because I don't care. I just it's it's a sad it's a sad it's a sad thing. Mm. This this pandemic isn't it? It's it really is dragging it, it out. It certainly is.
3: <laughs> Uh, one of the, if I could jump just a second, sure. one of the more remarkable things is the number of people, who, uh, a number of colleagues I have around the world who will tell me, "Hey, lockdowns don't work," and you're you're thinking, going, "Oh my God! I mean, you know, look at New Zealand. Look, look at look at what we've been able to do." And other people who say, "Well, you know, the the, the virus doesn't cause serious disease." And it's just so scary to be hearing this information over mm. and over again. So it's very clear that the vaccines do work, the vaccines are effective, the social distancing does work, and it's important. It's good that we have the messages, I think, in general, are all unified in New Zealand.
0: Mm. Uh, one come through, uh, Wallace, I have a 50-year-old friend vaccinated in the US, he's got his full vaccination, but he's currently very sick with the Delta strain, uh, otherwise he is very healthy. I just want to, on a final note, Professor Krause, I, 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 I want want to ask you, because this this idea of learning to live with the virus, um, our elimination strategy, a sustained approach to keep it out, find it and stamp it out, uh, according to the Ministry of Health, is that still feasible for us?
3: I think right now it is. I think long term it's not going to be sustainable. I think long term, after New Zealand is fully vaccinated, uh and 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 booster shots are administered uh we'll have to look at you know eventually we have to look at opening the border right uh so i i i don't think it can go on indefinitely
0: professor kurt Krause, always a pleasure thanks for being with us on the program today uh, pleasure but uh just back to your point brody i i think that you echo what a number of people even now listened to this just going oh, mm. what what and i think part of it is what is the end point what yeah. what, what, what what at what point do we say uh, it's the end. Will there be an end? There are so many questions right now, huh?
2: If, well, if you think about if you, I often go back to even in February last year, which was 10 years ago now. Um, I think, oh my gosh, I was at a, a massive concert and life was so different. And, and you just, every now and then, I still pinch myself and go, oh, what is, why, you know? And so it is, it's, it's, it's a sad day. And I think sometimes people forget that it is happening around the world. Um, it would be nice to know of an end point. Or if there's something more we can do. But I, I don't know, we, you sort of feel helpless, don't you? Because you can't really do a lot about it. Um, and, yeah, I just I just hope that enough people know that vaccination is, is the most important part of of moving us all forward.
0: Got an email here. We nurses are very worried about the opening of our country and the potential impact of many, many infections. We are barely managing to staff our hospitals now. With no COVID cases. Heaven help us Mm. if we have a prolonged outbreak. Uh, So, uh, kia ora. Thank you for that. Now, talking about four-day weeks soon, but what will Dunedin be without the great Forbury Park? When the final horse crosses the line tomorrow night, the Dunedin venue with 110 years of history will be finished as a raceway. The glory days of Fauri Park along in the past. It hosted the 1965 Inter-Dominion Championship, as everyone with a skerrick of interest in harness racing knows. And soon, well, there'll be no new memories being created at the old place, reports the Otago Daily Times. With us is track manager Ken McFarlane. Ken, g'day. Welcome to the programme.
4: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: How are you feeling today, Ken? It's, I can imagine it's kind of hard to believe.
4: Our look today has has actually been so busy that um, <clears throat> no, it hasn't hasn't sunk in really yet. I mean, we the lighting's been on the wall now since before the Sarah report, okay. and when we had our dates stripped um, sort of at the beginning of COVID, you know, we we sort of went from being a, a strategically important track to um, well surplus to requirements, you know, um, in, in a very short space of time, and so I guess. You know, with a little bit of lobbying and stuff, with, to harness New Zealand and trying to get parliamentary support, we had our, our season sort of back, although reduced last year. Yeah. So I, I guess this is, um, uh, yeah, we we knew we knew it was coming. yeah see the our, writing on the you know, wall. Well, we, we we understand the the rationale behind it. You know, okay. it's an aging facility. Um, compliance costs now with health and safety is just like astronomical, our rates are, we own the premises, so our rates are probably eight times what Omaru is up the road and, you know, they're, they're sort of OK at the moment. Um, so all those things and maintenance costs um, and, and, of course, um, a dwindling horse population um, is, is, is probably really the nail in the coffin, you know, because... Um, Years ago, I've been a stable since I was uh, fifteen, <laughs> and um, you know trials at Forbury Park would uh, maybe forty, fifty horses would come to trials. Uh, now, now we actually don't even sort of have enough around the place to actually run trials, you know, because there's that much racing and uh, that few horses. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's well, sad. it is really sad, but it's it's the way it is.
0: Yeah, let's see if our panelists have even uh, been to Forbury Park or uh, are familiar with it. What about you, Neil?
1: Uh, No, I haven't. I've actually only been to a couple of, um, horse racing events in my life. And the last one I went to, I, every horse that I bet on, um, came last, not Mm. just in place came last. (laughs) So that complete strangers were coming up to me and asking which horse (laughs) I was betting on. Um, so I don't have a good track record. Um, Look, I think it's it's very sad that an institution uh, is closing, but it does raise questions about what is the future of horse racing, what is the future right. of dog racing, because um, we're basically placing money on animals, hoping that they'll win and not die in the process. Um, and is that really the way forward? And I, I think this is an example of people aren't, weren't going to the races uh, down there, um, despite the history. There you, go,
0: there you go Ken is, is, is you've heard there an example of uh, changing trends and, in indeed, attitudes and what
4: attitudes and
0: just 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 changing attitudes over time leading to uh, uh, yeah yeah for sure for sure um, I mean I, I did an interview yesterday
4: at the local paper and they asked me like one of the big things was as Neil pointed out you know should we be doing this with animals um, so <clears throat> I said one of the big changes in recent years has been uh, animal welfare. And it's, it's probably a little bit sad that it's been driven uh, by by um, uh, welfare groups, but it has been taken on board. And um, I, I honestly think the next step will be, and racing will be the removal of whips on, on horses. You know, um, yeah. You're and right. and uh, animal animal welfare now is, is so so paramount. And, and since I've been here at Fourbury about fourteen years, <clears throat> the emphasis on tracks is not speed. It's 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 on longevity of horses and and so therefore you don't need such a big pool of horses and then there's far less to to rehouse at the end of the day and and I've been in a lot of horse syndicates and and we haven't had a horse put down there's always somebody some girl wants to use it for trekking or pony club or something and and they go to great homes and But the thing is now you can actually keep them racing um with the tracks the way they are. Um, horses can keep racing until they're eight, nine, 10. I think we've got a twelve-year-old going around tomorrow night. You know, right. which is great because the breeding industry is in decline as well. So there's numbers coming through. So therefore, therefore, um, longevity of the ones you
0: have got is paramount. You know, we'll get Brody to come on. What about you, Brody? Have you been to Forbury Park?
2: Oh look, I haven't been to Forbury Park, but I'd love to know, Ken. What are you going to do to sort of to, um, I guess, toast the place? You're going to have a whiskey, and then are you going to take some downtime?
4: Yeah, look, I'm. I'm, I'm um, when we lost dates um, last year and after COVID, <clears throat> I mean, we lost hours. there was two of us here, plus an office lady, and we 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 went back in hours. And after COVID, with less um, with with less dates, um, I I just stayed at 25 hours to keep my side in a viable position. And um, so I'll be looking afterwards to, to probably find something, a part time job. I don't want to retire yet, you know, I want to keep going. And as for having the whiskey afterwards, I hate the stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of other alcohol that I don't mind a drop of. But it probably won't be tomorrow night because we, we don't get finished about an hour and a half <laughs> after the last race, anyway. And the party will be in full swing upstairs. And Good on you. Ticketed only. It's ticketed only, so maybe I might be able to sneak my way yeah, in there or something. The, and
0: all the very best, Ken. And just on a final note, uh, as you said, you've got no intention of retiring. So you say that anyone's got a job for an old, old broken-down horse trainer and track manager, you're it.
4: That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> Experienced driver and and I uh, will do anything, you know I mean. I just don't want to retire yet. So, yeah. Anybody listening, good a bell.
2: We've got plenty, your number. plenty of miles on Ken's tyres. <laughs> that that, that no, is dead right, you're right. Hey yeah, Ken,
0: yeah. go well. Have a great night tomorrow at the Great Forbury Park. Hi, hey, thank you very much. All right, that 20... certainly
1: is a unique selling point. That particular pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it works.
0: Your uh, mispronunciation is coming through. Wallace says no in in restaurateur. Uh, it's a restaurateur, so uh, that's a real big one for people. Bro. I, I've, I've got a question for our listeners yeah. who have been listening in. Uh,
1: Wallace, you said that a single vaccine was... Uh an arsenal to add to our toolbox.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mixed up my metaphors there, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whoops, whoops, whoops. <laughs> In fact, Tony says an arsenal is a store place for weapons, yep. while you were referring to the weapon itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew yes. that. I knew they'd be on it. I was just trying to deflect attention no, away from me. <laughs> very, very good. Very, good, very good, Neil. Uh, now, it's coming up to uh, 28 past uh, four. Just a brief word on this. We had, uh, I was re- reading a very interesting article by Lana Hart, uh, who says that our close borders. Speaking of borders, may be our first line of defense against COVID, but will they isolate us from the rest of the world and what we can do about it? And the opinion piece basically said look, our lifelines to the outside world are being cut off. We run the risk of being an inward looking country where new people and their unfamiliar ideas are unwelcome, where distrust and xenophobia brew, a place where curiosity about the wider world is smothered by our need to stay safe and comfortable examining only ourselves. And I thought that's an interesting uh, idea. Around the panel of that, what do you reckon about that, Brody? Is there, a, is, there, is there an unintended consequence of not being able to
2: travel? Well, I think it's already happening. I think some of what she's saying is already happening. Like I think, um, you know we're a small country, and um not everyone has is is well traveled, so I do think sometimes we get our blinkers on and we really do um worry about what's right in front of us, and that sometimes can lack a bit of um i guess insight into what's happening and, and the bigger picture in terms of um the the world but i do, so i do I do actually worry that um we are isolated by our location, but that, but that isolation could um, sort of have, mm. I guess, psychological effects. So when when it's safe, get those borders open. You know, we love to travel, yeah. Uh, and and we and we and are we love people. Are you a traveller? Oh gosh, I love travelling. Yeah, really? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Do you miss it? I really do. I really do. Um, I love New Zealand, and I think we're very very lucky and grateful to be here. But yeah, I I, I would Neil. like to get Neil. back out there.
1: Yeah, I I agree with those um, sentiments. One of the uh, lines that really struck me in the opinion piece, and I agree that it's very interesting, was um, that we are habitual travellers and traditional travellers, um, and now we've got a generation where it's down to watching you know foreign YouTubes and eating at ethnic restaurants, and it's not the same experience as actually going there and um, feeling it and smelling it and doing it um, properly and I think that's that's uh, it's particularly harsh on young New Zealanders who would have been planning their their OE um, in the last year or two
0: so there may well Neil Miller, be a whole generation of young New Zealanders who are uh, whose lives will be absent maybe from an overseas experience and all that comes with it, going from going to the likes of a you know, Cambodia or Nepal or the. US New York or the yeah. southern states or yeah. Japan
1: for, for some of them it'll be delayed for some of them that yeah. may be missing out and um, and also there are a lot of people you know who have retired that were planning to spend uh, time traveling I know my parents are in this category um, that that haven't been able to do it now that they have the time and they, they have the, the resources to do it um, and so that's a bit of a blow to them as well.
0: Uh all right it is 4:31 uh, you're on the panel international with Neil Miller and Brody Kane lots of your uh, most hated mispronunciations are coming through we're going to be talking about that what does it mean and uh, is it important now it's time for headlines